Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. How you guys doing? Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the Nick Wilson Show. Sounds like a typical bastard. What's going on in Nick Wilson's mind? My mind is a raging torrent flooded with rivulets of thought. You're about to find out. Look who knows so much. Nick Wilson is on now. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. The final by Goma continues. I'm just going to keep trying out these taglines for my final week on the station. But Bobby Regan, Barstool Sports, and the Bench Mob Podcast joins us in about 20 minutes. We'll talk more NBA with him, but uh, we also have our five questions that are going to come up in just about uh, oh, 40 minutes. The, the five burning questions I have. And so much more to get into. Of course, uh, we are still on the heels of the Baker Mayfield trade. And we're talking about the, uh, the the idea that has been shared that Dave Tepper was the last holdout on a Baker Mayfield trade. And, and I suppose it could be a positive, right? Maybe, maybe Dave Tepper, after giving up a two, a four, and a six, and $30 million for Sam Darnold across two years, and after paying Teddy Bridgewater roughly $33 million for one year of quarterbacking for the Carolina Panthers, maybe Dave Tepper just got sick of this organization throwing money at quarterbacks. I am I, I, I don't know that I gave enough credence to that idea when we talked about it in the first segment of the show. It was just funny to me that after that, the Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, who is the best quarterback that they've had since the first eight games, of 2018 before Cam's arm fell off. It's just wild to me that this is the one where he's like, no, 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 no. I'll only pay four and a half million dollars in a fourth or fifth round pick for uh, the best quarterback I've had since 2018. And I think it's interesting because if the story was, well, Dave Tepper didn't want to give up a two or a three for Baker, I wouldn't have a problem. I, I think smart organizations draw a line in the sand on draft compensation on individual players. It, the, the Carolina Panthers were smart to know the Cleveland Browns had no leverage. The Cleveland Browns organization right now is doing everything they can to embarrass Baker on the way out because they know the narrative should be that they lost their ass in this trade. It's one thing to give up everything they gave up for Deshaun Watson it's another thing to completely destroy the value of Baker Mayfield and then on the way out, give the guy a kick in the butt on his way out. It's embarrassing. There are a lot of people who have been given the Cleveland Browns a benefit of the doubt because two years ago they made the playoffs. I don't know. We should be doing that. There's still plenty of evidence to suggest they are the same old Browns, whether people in Cleveland want them to be or not. But if it was about Dave Tepper didn't want to give up a two or a three for Baker, I, I can handle that. But it seems like the conditional fifth rounder in 2024, it seems like that was agreed upon going back to the draft. And I think it's interesting now. Now that at least we also 99 number saying, uh, is Nick prepared to start covering that bleep show in Cleveland again? Uh, I'm getting my, I'm, I'm, I'm getting those reflexes back 
of uh, and starting to try and train myself to be uh, ensconced in the bleep show in Cleveland again. Yes, it's going to take some while. It's going to take a while. It's the bleep show Olympics uh, hosting in Cleveland. But I do think it begs the question, because Austin Corbett, who had previously been a teammate with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, he went on Sirius XM NFL this weekend and gave his thoughts on Baker as a pickup for the Carolina Panthers. Baker's a special character for, for that energy. and um, I mean, everything he does, he, he's all about winning. He wants to win in every aspect of life. And to get him into a room um, and just feel that competition with all those other guys and it's definitely going to raise the level of performance as a team overall. So it's a great pickup. It's a good addition to the team. And uh, here in you know, a few weeks down the road, we'll get to see it all come in. I actually think what usually if somebody says, oh, man, this guy's energy, it's going to be so great. Usually I would look at that and go, oh, he must not think he's actually a good football player. But there are certain guys that I've been around that their energy and their – whether it's their mentality, their approach, it's just different. Cam Newton was one of the first guys. I mean, Cam Newton was just a superstar. Cam Newton walked into every uh, locker room that he was in, and he was the quarterback of that locker room. It's it's probably the biggest reason why New England didn't want him sitting behind Mac Jones last year. Wouldn't be fair to a rookie quarterback you're trying to get established in an NFL locker room. Uh, I think Lamelo's that way. I haven't been around Lamelo as much as I was around Cam. The, the first ye- two years I was here. But like LaMelo's another one of those special kind of guys. And I think Baker has that as well. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest reasons why I'm hopeful that it's going to work out here. Matt Rule is not a guy that walks into every room and you're like, wow, that guy. That's the guy that's going to lead us where we want to go. I know Matt has been very insistent that he's hired a bunch of alphas. That's what he referred to as his coaching staff. He's got a a locker room full of alphas. Uh, I don't know Ben McAdoo strikes me as a guy I'm going to follow into battle. I think the Panthers have missed leadership. And it's not just about losing Cam two, uh, yeah, two years ago. Look at all the names you lost, right? Last year it was, you know, you'd had Trey for uh, for last year, but you didn't have him this year. Previously, it's Mario Addison, it's Julius Peppers, it's guys like Trey Turner, it's Luke Keekley. One of the one of the okay, there is the fact that Matt Rule came into the NFL with literally no help from an from an NFL knowledge standpoint. One of the most ex, 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 one of the most experienced NFL guys he had was Phil Snow, who spent three years as an assistant in Detroit in the mid aughts. Not exactly a furtive ground of, 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 you know, great NFL experience in a fountain of knowledge. Did Phil Snow gain about how to win in the NFL with Detroit when they were going 1-15 and 0-16 and and back in the day? So that, that put him behind the eight ball, right? Not having NFL guys. But I also think not having NFL guys in his coaching staff and in his locker room. I think that I think that was a lot of things holding Matt Rule back from being the best version of himself as a coach. I'm excited to see how Baker impacts that locker room because when he's got his confidence, when he trusts the parties around him, he plays with a confidence that is infectious. This team, and I'm going to tell you when it happened, it was somewhere between week six and uh, week eight last year. I noticed it first probably about week six. 
I think that's the Minnesota game. But it was clear and definitive by the end of the Atlanta game. When this team went out on the field with Sam Darnold, they didn't believe they could win with him. It wasn't as hopeless as some situations I've seen, but the body language on the sidelines was, we can't win with this dude. Whether it was his leadership style, whether it's just how bad his play was, that that locker room lost confidence in him about halfway through the season. That's not going to happen with Baker Mayfield. Not comparative to where they were last year. This all brings up, though, with now that the, the pieces of the picture are finalized, who's the second best team in the NFC South? If you put the Panthers up against the Saints and Falcons, and I'm just going to say this, the Falcons won seven games last year with Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan and Foye Aluakon were two of the guys keeping that team afloat. You take those guys off, and I actually, Arthur Smith might actually be a better coach than Matt Rule. Time will tell. That team should win about three games this year. So I'm going to take the Falcons off the board because I don't think they're very good. So it's between the Saints and the Panthers to me. And Jameis Winston was respectable last year. Sean Payton was his head coach, though. The They had moments where the Saints looked really good last year. And they still have talent. Michael Thomas is still very talented. Uh, that offensive line, despite losing Teron Armstead, still has some real talent. The Alvin Kamara is still the running back. Cameron Jordan on the defensive side of things. They still have some talent. It wouldn't surprise me if the Saints were a 500-ish teams this year. Because one, I think without Sean Payton, Jameis Winston's going to be Jameis Winston again. The guy he's been for most of his career. He's going to win you some games. He's going to lose you some games. And then there are going to be some games where he's just kind of there. You hope that those wins and losses equal out in the end. But these are not two years ago, Saints. As that defense ages out a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a step back. The Saints, to me, are at best a 9-18. and I've been calling that the Saints were going to fall apart for a minute now. I think I finally might be right. Given no Sean Payton, no Drew Brees in the other roster overhauls that they've got. So I think the, the second best team in this division is more than up for grabs. Certainly more than it was last year with, with uh, Sling and Sammy D and a half injury. It, now to become that, a lot of things are going to have to go right that haven't. You're going to have to be able to solidify an offensive line. And James Campen is going to have to be able to identify the best offensive linemen, put them in the best positions for them to succeed. If that's Brady Christensen at left guard and uh, Bozeman at center and Aquanu uh, at left tackle, that's what's going to have to happen. And then they're going to have to stay healthy. The Panthers' offensive line has, has neither been talented or healthy the last two years, specifically last year. That, to me, is the first domino to becoming the the second best team in the NFC. 704-570-9610. If I ask you guys right now on the Garage Door Guru text line, who is the second best team in the NFC South? Are you ready to put the Panthers ahead of the Saints? Because I wasn't until Baker Mayfield. I trust Baker as a starting quarterback more than I do Jameis Winston. 
it's every other piece of the Saints and Panthers to me that are most interesting. Minus Teron Armstead. The Panthers have a better offensive line. That's unanswerable today. Till we see who the starting five is and see them stay healthy for any modicum of time. Who has the better defense? I think they probably have more upper echelon players to this point, but I think you've got more depth. I think the Saints are where the Panthers were three years ago with a veteran-laden defense that doesn't have the kind of depth you need. Dennis Allen versus Matt Rule, that's a that's a Sophie's choice of crappy NFL coaches until proven otherwise. Who is the second-best team in the NFC South now that we know what the Panthers' uh, team looks like with Baker Mayfield at the helm? We'll have more on that as the show goes on. But our next guest, you know him. From Barstool Sports and the Bench Mob podcast, Bobby Regan stops by to talk some NBA hoops, maybe some summer league ring conversation on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. So I told Dr. Lucas that that I officially am leaving uh, Sports Radio 92.7 at the end of this week. I'm going back to Cleveland. Uh, This is, what do we say, uh, either hashtag shut it down or hashtag the final by Goma. And I tried to... uh, I tried to, you know, she was asking what we're going to do as a station as, as I'm leaving. And, uh, you know, as somebody's lost 100 pounds, I've had a lot of success getting people to, to, to try Ph.D. weight loss and change their lives. And she was asking, you know, what, what are we going to do without you? And I was like, would it help if I really tried to get them to, fi- uh, to hire another obese person? And she thought I was joking. She left for a good 30 to 40 seconds. I was like 72% serious about, let me just tell them they just need to hire another fatty in my place so we can help PhD weight loss continue to uh, conquer obesity in the city of Charlotte. In the meantime, our next guest is going to help us conquer Summer League Talk uh, NBA headlines and more on the guest line. It is a Barstool Sports and the Bench Mob podcast where you can find all your podcasts is where you can find or wherever you find your podcast. I'm going to butcher the hell out of that is where you can find the Bench Mob podcast. He is Bobby Regan. Bobby, welcome back to the show, my guy. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, I just... <sighs> I'm about to tell him, you and I are about to get off to this interview on a great start or a bad start. And it depends on how you feel about the summer league. Cause I don't mind the summer league, but I hate the reaction to the summer league. Do you find yourself as annoyed with the night in night out hype and horror? Uh, if a guy has a great game or a bad game, whether it's a rookie, second year player, whatever in the summer league. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like I love summer league because we're in the, wasteland of sports from a day-to-day basis, right? Like you got baseball. I'm an Orioles fan. They're typically eliminated by this point of the year. So it's like, I need something to watch. Like I can only rewatch. Like, I work for my, my recline. I can only watch so much, you know, <laughs> the same show over and over again. But I even wrote a blog this morning. I'm done with the whole, this league NBA, Twitter, the, the, the overreaction, like Chet Holmgren. I've been a Chet Holmgren <laughs> defender. The overreaction from game one and then from game two, I'm just like, can everybody shut up? Like, can we just, and it feels bad because I, I obviously love the sport. It's my job. 
can everyone just stop talking about basketball for two seconds at this point? Or the, 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 the not not the nuance take. There's no nuance taken for, and it's like I'm so sick of seeing everything try to be dissected by Twitter in terms of oh well, you know, Russ is sitting on the other side of the court as LeBron. It's, I don't care. I don't care. So the best thing about this is uh, StatMuse had sent out this thing about Chet and uh, Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith stuffing the stat sheet, and Stan Van Gundy retweeted it. Or sorry. Uh, 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 tweeted back at them saying Holmgren was three of 10 Smith was five of 19. And it was if Stan Van Gundy was using your and my shared hatred for this and his own for the overreaction of the summer league to go ahead and clap back at, you know, some intern tweeting from the stat music account. So then I need to get your, your thoughts on summer league championship rings. Uh, how do you feel about that idea? I mean, it's so outrageous that I kind of love it. <laughs> like, just just go all the way over the top with it. So, I mean, I don't mind. Uh, and, like, listen, for some of these guys, it's the most important league they'll play in because it gives them, whether it's a two-way contract in the NBA or, you know, an overseas team sees them and, you know, they make a million dollars playing overseas. So I get it. Like, like summer league matters. I don't want to diminish summer league. It's just the 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 takes that come from summer league where – you have to react so much. And, and I, listen, I'm not his biggest fan, but like I was listening to Seth Greenberg yesterday call the, the Knicks Bulls game. And he was trying to break down the Knicks and why they were winning. Like it was game seven of the finals, man, <laughs> it's a Sunday in Vegas. I think we can put two and two together here. All right, Bobby looking from uh, the summer league to a lot of the, a lot of the rumors going around in the NBA. It seems as if the nets are about to be broken up here. Where do you think is the most interesting landing spot for Kevin Durant, and where do you think the most interesting landing spot is for Kyrie Irving? I mean, the easiest answer for Kyrie is the Lakers, right? Like the reunion with LeBron, the fact that they were really good together, then they fell apart. Kyrie wanted to do his own thing. Now he seems to be kind of crawling back to LeBron. The Lakers are a mess. That's by far the most fascinating from a content, from a – a casual fan, any any of that standpoint, that's by far the most. For the from a basketball standpoint, I thought Durant to the Suns would be the most interesting. Now that doesn't seem like it's going to happen because if Aiton and the Pacers things happen, then then the Suns don't have the ability to match up contracts to trade for Durant, whatever it is. Um, but that would be the most interesting because you have him with a true point guard and Chris Paul, a true scorer and Booker, joining what was the best team from a, a record standpoint in the league to kind of blowing it up. Cause you're going to lose eight and you probably trade bridges. You trade a couple other pieces, um, you know, back to the nets. That would be most interesting. Obviously the warriors is still interesting because you put them back with staff and, and what the warriors are doing. That would just be interesting from again, same reason of, of Russ to the or of Kyrie to the Lakers. I don't know where else would be interesting. Like, I mean, anywhere would be interesting because it's Durant. I mean, he's still, arguably the most talented player in the league. So I, I really wanted the Suns to happen. I just think that, I think that would have been from a basketball standpoint, the most pure kind of fit. Yeah. There's some special chaos with having Chris Paul and Kevin Durant in the same locker room that I would also enjoy and with Devin Booker in between them. So let's look at the NBA offseason in its totality. Who's, whose off seasons uh, are rather off season work. Do you like the most? I, don't, I mean, 
I don't know. Did, did anybody really make themselves? Let me phrase it this way. Did anybody put themselves from a playoff team to a title contender? And I don't think anybody did. The Hawks might set themselves up better for the future. I really do like Murray. I think he's fits next to, um, you know, next to uh, Trey Young perfectly. And they have time to kind of build that out. But they're not, you know, they're not a title contender in this, you know. The Sixers, I guess you get Harden back on a cheaper deal instead of having to overpay him. If you want to say that, sure. Um, but did, did anybody really turn themselves from a, a playoff team to a title contender? I mean, I really love what Boston did, but they were yeah, already a sure. title contender. <laughs> right. But it's like, you know, like I like what I really like what the Pistons did. But, you know, they were one of the worst teams in the league and what they might be a, in the playing game. I mean, ironically... Ironically, if if Kyrie goes to the Lakers, I love a lot of what the Lakers did around LeBron and KD. So I think that's maybe one of the biggest pieces of a team that either wasn't a playoff team or a fringe playoff team that could really jumpstart them into the title conversation. Yeah, but you know, they're they're the like like anywhere LeBron is, that's kind of the conversation with them. So yeah, it was it was a weird offseason where there weren't there's there's a lot of moves still to be had, but there wasn't the you know, craziness of the free agency period that we've seen in years past. You know, I mean, Utah's blowing it up. We'll see what happens with Mitchell. It's just, it's been a weird off season where there's a lot of movement, but it's like, are we just kind of going to see the same like six teams again next year? Which isn't a bad thing. I don't, I don't want people to think that's a bad thing. Bobby Regan of Barstool Sports and the Bench Mob podcast on the guest line here talking the latest from the NBA. Over under 41 and a half games until Knicks fans absolutely loathe the Jalen Brunson contract. Not me. I mean, listen, this is the other thing people forget with contracts. They're all terrible, right? Like, they're all a depreciating deal. It's ra- rarely do you sign a, a, a Jalen Brunson type deal and it's like, oh, we underpaid. No, like, it's the cost of business. He's also the first point guard that we've had as Knicks fans since, like, I don't know, Steph, Chris, Chris Childs, Charlie Ward. So it's been a long time. So listen, if he's decent, I'll, I'll talk myself into it. I mean, I already talked. I already like Jalen Brunson, so I don't need to be talked into it. But, yeah, I mean, Knicks fans will overreact because that's what we do. All right. How concerned should Hornets fans be about an offseason that saw firing Borrego, hiring Kenny Atkinson, unhiring Kenny Atkinson, then rehiring Steve Clifford while several members of the organization are in uh, serious legal hot water. Yeah, it's been, you talk about tumultuous, like somehow the Hornets have kind of flown under the radar in terms of, and, and again, because it's the names of Durant and, and, and the Lakers and everything like that, that have dominated the headlines. But you talk about tumultuous. The Hornets have had the most tumultuous offseason of anyone. Um, you mentioned the legal trouble, the whole coach. I mean, we talked about Brago together before you do all that just to kind of get burned by Atkinson in a weird way and end up with Steve Clifford again. Like what, what's, what's the go around here again? What's the point of all this? Um, they, you know, I like that they took Mark Williams in the draft. It made sense, but did they really make themselves any better this off season? Yeah. <sighs> Well, 
there's still hope of a Miles Turner trade, reportedly. So that's all I really can fall back on at this point. Right. All right. So, Bobby, we do five questions coming up in our next segment. It's five questions that are either uh, based in logic or just random crap that I thought about over the weekend. Uh, these are kind of uh, rapid fire. So uh, okay. give us as honest as you can give us. Number five, uh, the 2022 NFL regular season game you're most excited about. Oh, God. I mean, I'm a Giants fan, so I want to say, like, Giants-Eagles, but it's it's got to be Browns-Panthers now at this point. Yeah, it's a, so I am. I grew up a Browns fan, and I've covered the Panthers for four years, and that's I, it's it's not homerism that I say that. Uh, number four, what kind of music do you think aliens like the most? Techno. It just seems like a UFO-type thing. Oh, man. I, that te- I hadn't thought of techno. That makes sense. All right, what is your hottest sports take? That, oh God, let's see, that's a good one. Um, that the NCAA tournament is actually the worst thing to determine a champion. Ooh. The, to, to determine the best team. Best way to determine a champion, worst way to determine the best team. And right. that's, that leads to the worst takes in all sports. All right. What is your go-to donut of, donut of choice? Vanilla icing with sprinkles. Okay, all right. Um, and... Wh- it can't be a curse word because of the FCC, but do you have a favorite word in another language? In another language? Yes. Probably not. I struggled. I struggled with Spanish and Italian when I was taking that in school. So I grew up in a, a Hungarian household, and the, the the number one thing that I've ever heard my grandmother say, this, literally, this is not, not even close either, is Michinas, which is basically what are you doing? Anybody walks in my grandma's house, the first thing she says to them is, hi, and what are you doing? And so it's the first word I thought of because it's 100% I realized how flawed parenting I have because the first thing I do when I see my kids is, what are you doing? So I don't know if it's my favorite word. It's probably just the word I've heard more than anything. Right. I guess I'll say, you know, I come from an Italian family in Jersey. I'll say salute because I think we're drinking. Oh, yeah. Nestorovi is a big one in Northeast yep. Ohio, where I'm from, because uh, we're all alcoholics as well. Follow this man on Twitter at Barstool Riggs. Check out the Bench Mob podcast everywhere you get your podcast in Barstool Sports as well. Bobby, you're awesome, buddy. Really do appreciate your time. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Bobby Regan there on oh, the guest line. One of my favorite basketball guests. When we come back, it is time. For the five burning questions, you can see them now. At Nick Wilson says uh, on Instagram and my Insta stories, if we're still calling them that, and uh, at WFNZ, that's next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. We have an hour free of guests. We got to talk about some NFL rumors and innuendos coming up in the one o'clock hour. In the meantime, it is time for the five questions. The five questions that have me are the five questions that I've been thinking about all weekend long. And because of the Baker versus uh, Jacoby Brissett or Baker versus Deshaun Watson, you can find these at Nick Wilson says on Instagram and my stories. Don't forget to follow uh, follow me at Nick Wilson says. We still haven't broken the the thousand follower barrier on Instagram. I want to get up there as soon as possible. However, follow me on at Nick Wilson says. Look at me my, look at me Instagram stories. I went uh, full on leprechaun. Or 
at WFNZ.com. Itty Bitty Fitty joins us on air here. Itty Bitty Fitty. Question number five. The 2022 NFL regular season game you're most excited about? There's only one acceptable answer to this question, right? And Isn't that the rematch of Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes? That's pretty good. I think most people, I thought it was interesting that Bobby Regan said Browns versus Panthers because it's one of the few games you're guaranteed whoever loses, that town's burning. Mm-hmm. If the Browns go in there with or without Deshaun Watson and beat Baker Mayfield in Carolina, the radio in Charlotte that next week, I, I guarantee you, uh, if if Baker has even one interception, you're going to hear Chris McClain calling for Matt Corral and or Sam Darnold <laughs> or calling for Matt Rule to be fired. And then if Baker in his new home spanks that tush of the Cleveland Browns, the show that I'm doing in Cleveland is going to be really spicy for the next week until Cleveland gets its first win. I think that's the most drama-filled. I love Mahomes versus Allen 2.0. I just wonder, like, around the NFL, is that is, is it going to have this, like, obviously here and there we're going to be pumped. Like, we were last year when it was the Darnold revenge game. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, Allen and Mahomes are probably the two best quarterbacks in football that, that put on a show in the postseason last year. Give me that game over Mayfield versus Jacoby Brissett. And we're assuming that. There's a chance it's Mayfield versus Deshaun Watson, and then it's easily the most intriguing week one matchup. Also, Stanford P saying, what's your OnlyFans? You know my OnlyFans would be? This is this is not a, it's just a great question. It would be me shirtless, because I got a great big old chest here, a lot of chest hair, uh, strong shoulders, me shirtless, um... Eating pizza and talking sports, or just making cracks about people. I feel like, again, I'm not looking to have an OnlyFans that I can retire on, right? Because that would require debasing myself sexually, which I'm only willing to do when the cameras are off. I've worked with a guy who did food porn. Yeah, see, no, no food porn. All right, I have too high of a threshold and expectation of myself. I don't, I don't believe a lot in my own morals. Food porn is is too far down the, the but. I would absolutely, and only fans where I'm just shirtless, eating, you know, food and, and talking crap, you know, talking sports, I think I could do that. I think we could have a nice, loyal customer base that, you know, maybe Big Daddy gets to own a summer house. Can I be the that. camera guy? No. I would I just do webcam style. Oh. All right? Because if you were the camera guy, you'd be you'd be you know zeroing in on parts of me. <laughs> you you would be trying to be the Mar- Martin Scorsese of OnlyFans. <laughs> All right. So question number one of our five questions: What 2022 NFL regular season game are you most excited about? Number four. This was because I watched ET over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> Bobby Regan said techno, which makes sense. I feel like aliens would really love to like vibe and rave on techno music, but. What kind of music do you think aliens like the most? I would love for them to be into emo, like punk rock uh-huh. music. But I kind of get like more of like a jazz vibe from them. Yeah. Like, well, because we expect them to be higher beings, right? Like they're up there listening to, to you know some Louis Armstrong, Little- and they're just. I how is how does Louis go again? It was like. But like out of the which, saxophone. Which which Louis Armstrong who played trumpet <laughs> by the way? Um, which Louis? <laughs> I should totally know you that. You should because my favorite class in college 
was intro to jazz. <laughs> All right. Was that your favorite class because they didn't ask you to show up and you, it was just an easy pass? That was the class I showed up for every day because my teacher was like... Did he give all the students heroin? Uh, he talked a lot about his heroin addiction. He was like the Bruce Arians of teaching. Go on. Like, like he looked like Bruce Arians. And you know how like <laughs> Bruce Arians always sounded drunk? Yes. Or like also you you also he was sipping on something. Uh-huh. I'm sure he came to South Piedmont Community College every day after just after just smoking a stogie. So I think I think I think jazz makes a lot of sense. I would also love it if they just really loved like Johnny Cash, Waylon, if they just loved Outlaw Country. Oh. Like they were this higher form of of intelligence and they were just like if you don't think Waylon is the greatest country singer of all time, I'll cut you. Like, they were just ride or die. Like, the highway went specifically. Willie, Chris Christopherson, Johnny Cash, and Waylon Jennings. I'm That's just so what they proud want. you know these country music artists. Yeah. You, I, don't, you don't strike me as an old country fan. I don't like now country. Not, not, bro country can kiss all of my ass. I can get a little bit into, like, 70s and 80s. I really, like... There's some 90s that I can get into. I have a weird soft spot for the Dixie Chicks. I don't... It's probably because they came out when I was like 10 and they were all very attractive and I kind of had crushes on them. But like, for the most part, it is old country. Mm. And by the way, I also consider Rockabilly, which is the, 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 like, the bedrock of rock and roll. I consider like some of Elvis to be country as well. But yes, Johnny Cash for life. So what kind of aliens or what kind of music do, you, do the aliens <laughs> like the most? Uh, Stanford P saying Norwegian death metal. <laughs> so specific. <laughs> well, no, it has to be. All right. Aliens can listen to anything at any time. And I don't even know a Norwegian death metal band uh, to talk. The Eyes of Nocturne are their favorite band. Uh, number three, what is your hottest sports take? Itty bitty fitty. Oh, I got a couple. Tony Romo's the greatest quarterback in the history of the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, Patrick like, Ewing is not the greatest Nick of all time. Is it if you say Carmelo Anthony, I get to walk <laughs> over and punch you square in the biscuits. <laughs> um, but like, I don't really know. Like, what is my absolute hottest sports take? Yeah, I feel you like have I have so many hot takes that it's almost not fair. I feel like I have mild sports takes. Like they're just kind of like, eh. No, you have hot takes. Oh. You have takes that when you first got on here, people were like, who is this a-hole? <laughs> what is my hottest take? That's tough because I also... So, okay, the hottest take that I've shared on air is that it, once upon a time in Cleveland, I've said this before, I said Ken Griffey Jr. shouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Whoa. I still will occasionally get hate from people because I dared say that. At the time... So the genesis of the take was... First ballot to me are people whose whose Hall of Fame credentials are unimpeachable. Ken Griffey Jr.'s injuries in Cincinnati and his late late career kind of uh, journeyman status it 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 took him out of consideration for first ballot for me at the time. I've since reconsidered it. He was such a huge part of baseball in the 90s and was an icon in baseball. I can understand why people thought I was an a hole. Uh, it is National Donut Week. Number, question number two, go-to donut of choice. What do you have there, Ibif? So it's either got to be the original glazed at Krispy Kreme or, hear me out, the Hostess powder donut you get at the grocery store. 
with a glass of milk. As you said the other day about uh, Baker Mayfield, it was a sexual experience. <laughs> the, the, those things. Did I say that about Baker or did I say that about a food? You said it about a lot of things last week. You were you were rather. My wife was in Myrtle Beach, friend. And I was you were a, I, was bit, I was a little bit in need. Thank you very much. So, yeah. The, that, that'd be my go-to. Mm, I really love. One, um, this might go down as one of my hottest takes. Glazed donuts are a little overrated. All right? They're really good. But, like, glazed donuts should not be your go-to donut at every donut spot. Dunkin' glazed donuts, way overrated. Yeah, they're not good. Um, You know who has really surprisingly good glazed? Walmart. Is Harris Teeter. Uh, well, no. Uh, Walmart, I brought in the, what was that, uh, cinnamon sugar? I, no, no, no. I did bring in glazed donuts for you guys. I'll, I'll say this. I love... Uh, chocolate food cake donuts, like glazed chocolate food cake donuts. That might be my favorite donut of all time. Here's another one. Just give me a long john. Give me that cream filling. All right, it is. They are so good. We get them from Ann's Pastries in Wadsworth, which is uh, one of the places I grew up in. And within the first two days of the cabin every year, they're gone. We get twelve cream stick donuts, long john donuts. Maple, chocolate, all the all the different kinds you can get. Within the first two days of the cabin, they're gone. And there's only four of us now. So that should tell you how damn good they are. All right, final one. Can you say it on air? What is your favorite word in another language? I can't say my favorite word, but I can go to other words from the Italian diction. Uh, and you've said this, gabagool. Uh-huh. Um, That's funny. So, gabagool to me, and it, Willie P was in here. He's like, well, you know, it's the uh, phonetic pronunciation of Capricola. Well, I'm Will Pelagic. Yeah, I don't care. It's just a funny word. Every time they say it on Sopranos, I giggle like an idiot. It's just, it's a funny word. Gabagool. Yeah, a cannoli. Like, like it actually sounds appetizing. Like, th- like there's some things that, like, doesn't sound like it's good to eat. Uh-huh. Like meatloaf. But, like, cannoli, cannoli Is it because good. of meatloaf the artist? No. Has he has he sullied our thoughts about the edible product that is meatloaf? No. It's just not a good thing to eat. And then all Is it meat and loaf together or is it something individually? It's 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 all combined. You're going through the show right now. Whatever they call like uh, idiots. And I'm trying to Oh, it, uh, you're talking about in, in Italian. Is it is it is it Stugatz? No, no, no. There is something else, but I can't remember if it's also kind of a curse word, so I can't say it. Yeah. So I said it earlier with Bobby. Uh, the word Michinas in in Hungarian means "What are you doing?" And my grandmother would ask the Pope, "What are you doing?" Like it is, and it, and I, I'm sure it's not meant in like an accusatorial way. But my nagmama, the first time you walk into the house, hey, Bubba, how you doing? Good. Michinas. Well, I'm I'm here with you. Well, no, but what are you here to do? <laughs> oh, okay. I was here to talk with you. Okay, do you want to load some wood into the fire into the basement? Sure. Michinas is equal parts accusation and it's equal parts you're about to do something you don't want to do in addition to whatever you showed up here to do. So the five questions, what 2022 NFL regular season game are you most excited about? What kind of music do aliens like the most? What is your hottest sports take? What is your go-to donut of choice? And what is your favorite word in another language? Rumors, insanities, and innuendos, the best kind, next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC.